Thanks for listening to The Leader and thanks to the Society of Editors who have shortlisted us for News Podcast of the Year. We're very grateful. So don't miss an episode. Subscribe through your podcast provider to get our news, commentary and analysis every day at 4pm. From the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Home Secretary Priti Patel's announced plans for a new points-based immigration system. Our system will be a British points-based system, one that works for our country, one that works for our labour market, one that works for our economy. But what will it actually achieve? The Evening Standard's Jonathan Prynne takes a look and says many industries are worried. Also, it's not a one-off. His targets have been, I think, 50% of living writers, directors and actors should be female, 20% of writers and directors should be of colour and 25% of that for actors. And he seems to think he's going to hit those targets by next year. Our arts editor, Nancy Durrant, says Rufus Norris has confirmed he'll stay as the National Theatre's artistic director for another five years. We also look at this year's programme. Will there ever be another war horse? Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, what's in the government's immigration plan? This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reid, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. For Pretty Patel, it's about delivering the people's priorities. And with that, we are delivering on our points-based immigration system. This system will effectively mean that for the first time in decades, the British government will be in control of its own immigration policy and its system, where we'll, we will be able to bring the brightest and the best, people that can contribute to our economy and our country. Plans for a new immigration system would end free movement and introduce from January 1st next year a points system. Skilled workers will need 70 points to get a visa and they're awarded for things such as having a job offer from an approved sponsor, that's worth 20, an offer at a required skill level, another 20, and ability to speak English to a certain level, that's worth 10 points. There are salary thresholds, 25,600 for those coming with a job offer, 20,480 for those with an offer from an 
occupation on the government shortage list. The Home Office says it's firm and fair. Our editorial column sees problems. You won't hear it from ministers, but let's remember that immigration is not a problem but a solution. Indeed, the many ministers in this government who come from a minority ethnic background are the best advertisement for our open society. They should know that an economy with near full employment, by definition, does not have a large pool of unemployed people sitting at home waiting for work. So either the workers must come from elsewhere or there will be labour shortages that lead to higher prices for consumers and a less successful economy. So how should we judge the government's new immigration plans? The key policy is the end to European free movement and the real test for an employment visa is the salary threshold. We should be highly sceptical that a committee of so-called government experts will be able to set that threshold with any meaningful assessment of the needs of the economy. How is government supposed to work out the needs of the burgeoning gig economy? A decade ago, no department anticipated it might even exist. So should we be worried about the damage these plans will do? No, because the points system will be quickly gamed. We are an open society and economy, and it will take more than a closed mind in Whitehall to shut it down. Well, the Evening Standard's Jonathan Prince covering the story. Jonathan, what are the big changes in the system? Well, the system is essentially um, an Australian-style points-based system, which applicants to emigrate to, into the UK will have to um, meet a minimum of 70 points. You get awarded a certain number of points for different characteristics. If you've got a, a, a job sponsor, if you're young, if your job is over a certain um, salary threshold, these all accumulate points and then until you hit the magic 70, which uh, gets you the, the golden tickets coming to the country and, and take up employment. But as our editorial column says, those salary thresholds are very important. And yet, do we know if they reflect what salaries are in the UK today with our gig economy? Do they know how much an Uber driver should be getting, for no, example? No, that's, that's a very good point. Our, our economy is, especially in London, is um, uh, you know the labour market is unrecognisable from a decade ago. The gig economy has has changed the face of the labour market dramatically. So the the, the thought that a a committee of, of of civil servants can pick a number at random to meet the skill shortages in in the UK um, with the correct number of immigrants is is well it, it seems a, a long stretch, but uh, we'll see. So let's talk through some of the numbers, because that's what people in government love doing, is talking through some of the numbers. How is this going to change the face of immigration in in the UK? Will fewer people be coming here? Inevitably, there will be fewer people coming in, um, particularly from the the European Union, where obviously there's been unfettered access for workers for um, for many years now, since since the free labour market um, or free movement was introduced. So that's probably going to be the big difference. I mean, Priti Patel has said her, her aim is not to bring about the end of the Polish builder. And we should bear in mind also that there are 3.2 million EU citizens with settled status already in the UK. So there'll be a big pool of, of foreign workers or, who, who will, uh, or foreign-born workers who, who will remain here. However, I think um, that influx of vast numbers or, or very substantial numbers of workers from particularly from Eastern Europe but also from Southern Europe and 
who we're so familiar with in London in particular, in our, in our restaurants, in, in the care homes, in the health sector, in the construction sector, that influx will dry up. There's no question about it. Um, a lot of those jobs are well below the, um, the, the threshold that the government has decided they, they want people to meet to, to accumulate these points. So I, it, it will be a very different world, and I think the consequences are could be profound and, and quite difficult to predict. Yeah, are areas like construction and hospitality, are they concerned about this? They're deeply concerned. Health and care sectors in particular massively reliant on what could be described as low-skill or unskilled labour, uh, although there's a big dispute about that terminology. Same in the hospitality sector. I mean, in, in London, some estimates have suggested that as much as three quarters of waiting staff are from EU countries. So replacing those to keep the restaurants uh, open and staffed in the kitchens full uh, is going to be very, very difficult. I think, I think it's also a worry that the big events that we love so much, the big summer events, Wimbledon, Chelsea Flower Show, all those sorts of things, which, again, are in catering terms, are very, very reliant on European labour. I mean, how they're going to cope with that uh, is remains to be seen as well. Next. At the beginning, with Rufus Norris, people were a bit like, what, what is he doing? You know, he changed things so dramatically. He wasn't doing any of the, you know, the old white men. Everything was very different. He's really, really done some great stuff, actually. I think he sort of pulled it together. The Evening Standards Arts editor Nancy Dunn takes a look at the future of the National Theatre. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season, when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The National Theatre's announced its new programme with highlights including Small Island returning after last year's sellout run. They've also confirmed Rufus Norris will remain as artistic director for another five years and he's promising to hit diversity targets by next year. Well, the Evening Standard's new arts editor, Nancy Durrant, is here. Nancy, when a new programme's launched, the first really important question you have to ask is, is it exciting? Yeah, I think it sort of is. I mean, there's there's always some things you just think, uh what what is that? I've never seen that before. Um, the corn is green, for example, would be the the closest thing to that that I've seen so far today. Uh, the it's a Welsh nineteen thirties classic. It is unlikely to be that familiar uh, to British audiences. I think it was about an English school teacher in a Welsh mining town. It was a slight sort of goodbye, Mister Chips feel about it, but no doubt none the worse for that. But there are some things on this program that I 
am super keen to see. Uh, Kristen Scott Thomas, obviously. Obviously, yeah. She's in Fedra. Her phone. first time, you said? Her first time at the National Theatre, which seems completely mad. She's never trod those boards, and that's really exciting, I think. Um, and then Standing at the Sky's Edge, which is a musical that was a co-production with the Sheffield, uh, Sheffield Theatres and has the music of Richard Hawley is absolutely gorgeous. I went to see that in Sheffield last year. It's so nice. I'm so, so pleased that it's transferring to the National because it's a perfect space for it. It's big. It's got uh, an amazing set. The music is obviously great. And it's just such a lovely story. And I think that one of the things about it that is exciting is that it, it sort of feeds into something that I think we'll talk about in a bit, which is Rufus Norris's uh, diversity agenda. But it's set in the Sheffield housing estate of Park Hill across three generations of families. And so it starts with a working class story. And I think that is really, actually, that's something that we don't see so much on stages generally these days, but also we don't see it without it being all about misery. It's just, it's so nice. I'm so pleased. I'm really thrilled. As you mentioned there, Rufus Norris, who has um, confirmed today that he's going to remain as artistic director for another five, five years. More years. There was a bit of a willy wonty last year, but he's, he's confirmed he's going to go ahead with this. Now, five years ago, he said his main thing was to increase diversity in theatre organs at the National Theatre. Mm-hmm. Has he done that? Do you know what? I think he has. It's really exciting. I recently went to see um, Inuit Ellum's Biafran war set version of Chekhov's Three Sisters, um, which was a huge breath of fresh air, I have to say. But also the audience was so mixed. It had so many people of colour in it. And it just, it, it's not a one-off. His targets have been, I think, 50% of living writers, directors and actors should be female. 20% of writers and directors should be of colour and 25% of that for actors. And he seems to think he's going to hit those targets by next year, which, and having, you know, seen most of what's been on the stage over the last few years, that wouldn't surprise me, actually. Yeah, I'm, I'm bringing someone like Kristen Scott Thomas. Yeah, I mean, you'll still yeah. get all the people who were coming before <laughs> to go, well, actually, good God, Norman, can you believe she's never been there before? We must go. You know, that's that's the thing. He's got a really good eye, I think, or he's developed a really good eye for... Um, sort of strategic programming. You know, this director here will bring in these kind of people. This story will bring in these kind of people. This actor, so for example, uh, Lynette Linton, who is now the new, not that new, but relatively new artistic director of The Bush, she is going to be doing a play called um, Blues for an Alabama Sky, and that will star Giles Torreira, who was Aaron Burr in Hamilton, which will bring in another whole slice of people, you know, people who don't normally go to the National Theatre but were prepared to shell out 100 quid or more for a ticket to Hamilton because it was Hamilton. That's kind of how that ecosystem works. Hmm. You bring people in to see a blockbuster like Hamilton and then they say, I'd quite like to see the other actors in these kinds of things. And that's how you regenerate theatre. There's a strategy in the programme, isn't there? If you look at it, you can see things coming out and also their own homegrown successes, small islands coming back. As yes. a flagship. I know. That's and that's really that's really fantastic. I mean it was it was a great it's a bit long, they're always a bit long, everything's a bit long. Everything's but, long these days. But it was uh, <laughs> but it was really fantastic, wonderful um timing actually, because it was just after uh, the long song had just been on television, everyone was interested in Andrea Levy, and then of course, tragically, she died, and so now people are even more interested to see that work because 
they know that they're not going to get another chance. So success generates success. Success generates We're success. We're seeing that maybe over the next five years. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I think people sort of, and I probably was one of them, I think at the beginning with Rufus Norris, people were a bit like, what? what is he doing? You know, he changed things so dramatically. He wasn't doing any of the, you know, the old white men. Everything was very different. Um, and some of it was genuinely dreadful. I mean, there, there were, uh, there were. I think people remember the duds, don't they? You remember when you've seen something that was absolutely terrible, that Wonder.land was just abject. You know, there was that awful thing about St. George, St. George and the Dragon, which was definitely one of the worst things I've ever seen. Um, and, you know, not very many people liked his Macbeth. I was one of them, didn't like that either. But there have been triumphs. Small Island, as you say, which is coming back. Nine Night, um, which won awards. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Barbershop Chronicles. Uh, Angels in America went to New York. Layman Trilogy went to the West End, went to New York, is now going to Amsterdam, is going somewhere else, is going somewhere else. It's like, you know, Follies came back twice. It's... He's really, really done some great stuff, actually. I think he sort of pulled it together. Nobody gets it right first time around. And that's The Leader. We have loads of arts and news coverage every day at 4pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss out.